We are continuing our series called Ribs, where we look at the left brain things in the Bible. And uh, it's a short series. And uh, I got to just admit, as much as I wanted to go left brain, that's not my normal desire to go left brain. And uh, I'm going to speak today about DNA and some thoughts about generational sins. And then I couldn't help but think about the blood of Jesus. You know, I'm talking about DNA, and I was looking into blood as I was studying. And I kept, as much as I wanted to go left brain, I just kept coming back to the center. I kept coming back to the cross. And I got to say, I think that's a good thing. So we're going to go left, but then we're going to come back to center. And uh, I, I probably could have really dug into the left brain thing this week, but our family is still living in the afterglow of our youngest son, uh, his wedding on Sunday. So we were celebrating that Logan got married to a wonderful uh, young lady from our church, Michaela. And so I think they have a picture for you. And it just was so exciting to be able to see that, to see them get married. And so kind of living in that afterglow, and I I just wasn't going left brain, I'm just saying. I was staying in in right brain, so, uh, but we'll go there a little bit. Uh, But I've been fascinated by uh, DNA. I've been fascinated by this. I've been fascinated by the genetic code. Um, I loved it that the uh, doctor that was the head of the Human Genome Project uh, is a believer in Jesus. He's like, yes, I'm a scientist. Yes, I'm a believer in God. And I don't see a conflict in that. So that's kind of one of the first things that really drew me in there to this left brain thing. And uh, I've been fascinated about this, wondering... uh, is, is sin in the DNA? And I had a guy tell me, he said, like, what, what, if, what if sin is proven to be in the DNA? And I'm like, then thank God he can change DNA. Jesus can change your DNA. I said, I don't know if it is or isn't, but I'm fascinated by this and I want to take a look at it. I mean, I'm wondering if God was trying to give us a hint into things that we couldn't understand. I mean, he's telling us about the blood and, and, and he, you look at Leviticus 17, verse 11, it says, for the life of a creature is in the blood and I have given it to you to make atonement for yourselves on the altar. It is the blood that makes atonement for one's life. I mean, he's telling us right there, life is in the blood. And I'm wondering as God was inspiring the word, if he, if he wanted to give us a glimpse into DNA and to things like that, but he just knew that we could not handle that. And I'm just wondering as we look at the other scriptures that are there, if God was trying to give us a a greater insight into something in Genesis chapter 4, where we see two brothers, Cain and Abel. We see Cain kill his brother Abel. We have the first murder that takes place. And the Bible tells us in Genesis 4, verse 10, it says, The Lord said, What have you done? Listen, your brother's blood cries out to me from the ground. Something was going on with blood. There was something going on that, that God was trying to give us a glimpse into the life being in the blood, that, that Abel's blood was crying out. And you know what it was crying out for? It was crying out for justice. It was crying out for justice. And it was saying, I've been murdered. I've been, my life has been taken. And his blood was crying out for justice. And in the Old Testament, blood cried out for justice. Make this right. What's beautiful, in Hebrews chapter 12, the Bible talks about the blood of Jesus cries out for something better than what the blood of Abel cried out for, and it's crying out for mercy. Thank God for the blood of Jesus that doesn't say just, it says mercy and grace can be given to us. 
God's given us a glimpse into this. And, and there's more, Exodus chapter 20, verses five and six. Again, fascinated by this. Maybe you have been at some point when you've read it. It says, you shall not bow down to these false gods or worship them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, punishing the children for the sin of the parents to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing love to a thousand generations of those who love me and keep my commandments. I mean, three to four generations living within this punishment or this sin or something being trapped, if you will, but yet loving God, being blessed for thousands. And some have wondered, like, what is going on there? Is God talking about a, a, a DNA, that something that you're predisposed to, and you're going to do it over and over again? So before we dig too much into DNA, I've just got to talk about the beauty of blood, the beauty of human blood and what it's able to do and, and how incredible it is because the Bible talks about blood a lot. 392 times the Bible mentions blood. Some people have read the Bible and are turned off by it. Like there's blood here and blood there and sacrifices and this and that. And there's, there's blood. All, I mean, Genesis to Revelation, you're going to find that it's talking about blood because blood is important when we think about the Bible, when we think about what God's doing and what God wants to do in our life. Now, don't raise your hand, um, but a lot of people are really like, Blood just makes them a little weak. Like right now, you're just like, I might have to put my head between my knees. You know what I'm saying? You're like, all right. Some of us are just like, it's like, ew, blood, you know, oh man, we're grossed out. How many know that blood just elevates anything? Like little kids, they can fall down. They're like, I'm okay. And also they're like, oh, red stuff. Ah! How many know that, right? If you're a parent, that just takes it to another level. And anything above the neck, how many know that just bleeds like twice as bad? You know what I'm saying? You're like, you're not going to die. You're going to be okay. But it just elevates it. See, seeing the red stuff does something to us. Seeing the red stuff causes us to have a reaction. And I think that we have just sanitized so much of the word of God. We've stepped so far away from blood that it even seems uncomfortable in some ways for me to even preach or talk about this and talk about the blood. We're so far removed from any type of sacrifice or even day-to-day -day dealing with the blood. I mean, we're like, how do those chickens grow such big fingers? You know what I'm saying? They're not chicken fingers. They're, they're like real chickens. And, you know, just saying. If you don't know where chicken fingers come from, go on the Swazi trip. You'll have chicken day. That's all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. All right. Beef, it's what's for, it comes from a cow. You know what I'm saying? And we're like, it's wrapped in plastic. No, it's not. All right. It, it, there's something going on. We're so far removed from this. Okay. But, but the blood, the blood is so important. The blood is what the Bible talks about over and over and over again. I mean, it talks about the covenant, that there's the shedding of blood. And, and again, I'm not recommending that anybody does this, but I remember when I was a little kid, we heard about being blood brothers. And so, you know, you cut your thumb, another guy, do that. I mean, don't do that. All right, all right. We've got lots of things going on in today. I'm not encouraging that, but I'm saying I did that as a kid. Okay, we did that. We're like, we were fascinated by that. 
I was fascinated by Sir Henry Martin Stanley who had 50 blood covenants. And when I heard the story that he was in Africa and he entered into 50 different blood covenants and that when Dr. Martin Stanley would be walking through Africa and he would see something threatening, he would hold up his arm and he would show all the slices and saying, I'm in covenant with all these people. If you mess with me, you mess with them. I was fascinated by that, but we're so far removed from that. We could do a whole series on just the power of blood. And if there's one thing that I'm sad that we didn't do in this day today is I'm sad that we didn't have a blood drive. So I just say this, if you feel compelled to donate blood, follow that prompt, go and do that. I think that if we do a series on blood, we'll make sure to do a blood drive. It's too critical. It's too important. It's, it's too life-sustaining. Every two seconds, someone in the United States needs blood. Every two seconds, somebody's needing blood in the United States. We should be out there donating. Only one in 30 give blood, but one in three will need blood at some time in their life. Blood is fascinating. Every second, 17 million red blood cells are created in your body. 17 million every second are being created. It's just fascinating to me. It takes 20 seconds for a drop of blood, 20 to 60 seconds for a drop of blood in your heart to go through your body and make its way back to your heart again. Think about it. There's 60,000 miles of blood vessels in your body. We are, we are just beautifully made. This is incredible. Again, I won't go into all the things, but George Washington died from bloodletting. Before they understood really that the life was in the blood, which was in the Bible, they should have left brain, saw this and said, wait a minute, we don't take blood out of people. The life is in the blood. It says that in Leviticus, George Washington was very ill and they drained so much blood out of him in the bloodletting that he actually died from that. Currently a little trivia, but our president right now, every sitting president travels with their own blood. They draw enough blood when they become president that they travel with it either in their car or in Air Force One. They travel with their own blood. Fascinating. And you may not realize this, but there's one guy that was kept alive from donating blood. Well, actually not donating blood. He actually sold his blood for years and years and years, but it went in and he was a diehard Packer fan that could not afford tickets. And so he said, I'm gonna go and sell my blood so that I can get tickets to the Packers games. And he did this for over 30 years, only to discover that he had a rare disease, that the only thing that kept him alive was getting blood drawn on a regular basis. Who knew? And so the Packers actually put him in the Packer Hall of Fame. And uh, it's, it's fascinating to me, only a Green Bay Packer fan would stay alive by selling blood. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Many Packers fans can't sell blood, but we all go there. All right, but anyways, <laughs> Jim Becker is the guy's name. Stayed alive, amazing, fascinating. Blood, it's, it, it's so much there. And within the blood, within our body, there's DNA. And within this DNA, this genetic code exists, which is absolutely fascinating. And scientists are looking at DNA and they're trying to figure out why is there a redundant DNA? Why are there two sets? Why is there like a backup copy in our DNA? Why is there inactive DNA? Why is there polluted DNA? And they're trying to figure out what they can do with the DNA if they can actually get to the genes and figure out how to change people by manipulating the DNA. It's absolutely stunning. 
DNA is so beautiful. It's so complex. It makes me believe that there must be God. He must exist and he must have created us. And I love what a, uh, what a doctor and scientist said in the book, Can Life Be Merely an, in an Accident? Dr. Piccioni, he said this. He said, the chances of DNA being random are like drawing the ace of spades from a deck of cards 119,000 times in a row. He said, it's not possible. It's not possible that it could be random. He said, we are wonderfully made. We are made. Somebody made this body. Somebody made us. What's going on with the DNA? And he gives the glory to God. So with the DNA, again, Exodus 20, it's, we're trying to figure out, I mean, lobbyists, saints, sinners, people are just trying to figure out, are we predisposed to do this? Theologians, are we predisposed to do this? Is it in our DNA, our makeup, could we figure out that you're going to do this sin and you're going to do that sin. Is this what's going to happen? They, they don't know. They're trying to figure out from Exodus 20. Again, I'll read it again. You shall not bow down to these false gods or worship them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, punishing the children for the sin of parents to the third and fourth generations of those who hate me, but showing love to a thousand generations of those who love and keep my commandments. They're trying to figure out, is it in the blood? Is it something that's there? And I got to tell you, when I was listening to John Mayer's latest CD, I'm listening to the song and I hear the song in the blood. I, I, I just about pulled my car off the road because I knew I wanted to do this sermon series and I won't read the whole song and I won't sing it for you, although I almost did, but uh, the wedding, let's blame it on the wedding. But it's, this lyrics, it's just fascinating. He says, how much like my brothers do my brothers want to be? Does a broken home become another broken family? Or will we be there for each other like nobody ever could? Will it wash out in the water or is it always in the blood? I can feel the love I want. I can feel the love I need, but it's never going to come the way I am. Could I change it if I wanted? Can I rise above the flood? Will it wash out in the water or is it always in the blood? We're trying to figure out, like, is this, do I have to be this way? Is this what's going to happen? Is this the way that my life is meant to be? I mean, Shakespeare in The Merchant of Venice said the sins of the father are to be laid upon the children. I mean, everybody's trying to wonder right now, are we born this way? Are we bent this way? Will we have to stay this way? Do our choices today affect those behind us? Is it something that we're going to have in our family tree? Can I overcome my family tree? Is this just who I am? And I believe that, I believe this, that Adam and Eve had to have had perfect DNA. There was no polluted DNA. There was no uh, broken DNA. But I, I don't know how we can track it down. Scientists haven't figured it all out where this goes. But we see that there are people that are alcoholics, that the next generation is alcoholics, the next generation, the next generation. We see people that live in abuse and live in abuse and live in abuse and they hand it on down. And, and I don't know if they can show it in the DNA right now, which they can't. I don't know if they ever will be able to say that, but I can tell you this, I don't know where the DNA and where the sin and all that mix is, but I know this, every one of us has sinned. Every one of us has sinned. The Bible says in Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And so we may not be able to prove genetically where it's from and all that, but I'm gonna tell you this, every one of us has sinned. And I believe this, Jesus invites us to bring our brokenness, our broken DNA, our, our family tendencies, our predisposition. He says, bring that brokenness to the cross and watch me change you. Watch me give you a DNA transfusion. I mean, I love this picture of I have broken DNA. 
I have polluted DNA. You may be an alcoholic and you have polluted DNA. You may be an adultery and have polluted DNA. You might be an abuser and have polluted DNA and sin in your heart and in your soul and in your spirit. But Jesus says, bring that brokenness to the cross and watch what I can do. DNA transfusion, blood transfusion, spirit, I'll change you. Behold, all things become new. It's a beautiful thing. And I don't care, maybe science will prove that gene is there and that gene, but Jesus says those things are sin and I can change that and I can make you new. And so if scientists prove it over there, Jesus will still keep cleaning it even if science proves it over there. And if he doesn't, I'm saying today, bring your brokenness to Jesus. Bring it to Jesus and let him change you. It's a beautiful, beautiful thing. Your destiny is not your DNA. Some of you think, well, I'm in the family and it's like that. Uh, My family tree is that. Come on. Your family tree is not your future. It's not. You are not. You can be set free from your family tree. You can have a new future. You can have a, a DNA infusion. You can rise up. The Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians was listing a whole bunch of sins. Whole bunch of sins that people today would say, well, that's in the DNA. It's in the genes. It's there. It's there. It's there. Okay. Again. Maybe it is, maybe it isn't. Science hasn't definitively said, but I know this. Paul says this in the word of God. He says, hey, you did all these things and he lists all these things. And then he says this, some of you were once like that, but you were cleansed, you were made holy, you were made right with God by calling on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the spirit of God. He says, you had that brokenness and now you're changed. You're not that anymore. You don't have to be that way anymore. You say, but those things have deep claws in our family. It doesn't matter. Jesus can break that deep claw. Jesus can set you free and your whole future can be different by the name of Jesus, by the blood of Jesus. I see that in our own family. A lot of you see, you know, Pastor Rob and Becca, Connor, Logan, Logan getting married to Michaela. You you see the family. Oh yeah, I'm gonna tell you this. My mom and dad had to stop and say it ends here. We find faith in Jesus Christ in our family. They were the crazy Christians in our family. Hearing at all of our campuses, if you are known as the crazy Christian in your family, come on, raise your hand. Wear that badge with pride right now. You're the crazy Christian, all right. Come on, they were the first ones in. And in our family, lots of things, deep anger, violence, anger, abuse, prison. My mom's two brothers, both there, I mean, terrible thing. I mean, when you're being raised and your mom says, hey, if mom's brother comes to the door and knock, don't let him in. Don't like, grab mom, don't open the door, okay? Our family, we had suicide in our family, prison, unwed mother, we had all sorts of things, alcohol. I mean, do you understand family? But they said, Jesus changes, whatever was in our family tree is different from this day forward. It's different. And that's what Jesus does. He changed them and he can change me and he changes you. And I love it. And I'm so thankful for my mom and dad saying like, it ends here. Every time I think about that, I get this picture of like Lord of the Rings with Gandalf going like, none shall pass. You know, like that's my mom and dad. They don't go past there. Nothing goes past here anymore. This family is changed by the power of the blood of Jesus. That's how I feel. And again, We don't celebrate broken DNA. We don't celebrate brokenness. But we say, wherever you are in your brokenness, come to the cross. Come to the cross. If I could say anything right now, it'd be, Jesus says, bring your broken DNA, bring your brokenness. Let me change you. 
Let me change you by the power of the blood. There's so many old songs. I mean, how many know that song? There's power, power, wonder working power in the blood of the Lamb. I mean, again, corny song, great lyrics. Great lyrics. There is power, power. All right. But I'm telling you, I, I had to learn that. I was in a, a class where my professor in Bible school, Charles Greenaway, one of my favorites, he used to make us sing that every day to start class, and then he made us sing it in French and in Ouagadougou, which was from Burkina Faso. And I just thought, that's so crazy. Fast forward like, you know, 25 years later, and I'm in a restaurant, and this guy says, I'm from Burkina Faso. And I, and I just said, Pong be zim zim, we I sang it, and he's like, starts crying, my friend, you know. <sighs> Two hours later, we were like, you know, related. You know what I mean? It was, but there's power in the blood. There's power in the blood. Maybe corny song tune, but amazing lyrics. And there's power in the blood. And it's in the blood of Jesus. And the Bible was trying to show us all along that blood was needed, that there was a powerful blood coming. And, and, and so the Bible used, God used the blood of animals to help them understand that they needed to be forgiven with blood. You got to understand millions of gallons of animal blood was shed. You got to understand when they'd go on the day of atonement and have the sacrifices, when they would sin and have certain sin offerings and have to make sacrifices. I mean, blood all the time. And they'd go in and they'd realize they did all these sins, all these things wrong. They'd realize they were broken people and they'd go there for the religious ceremony and God would accept that. God would accept that, but they'd still leave wondering, I don't feel really forgiven. I don't have a clear conscience. I don't feel transformed. I just feel covered, but I don't feel transformed. Moses used to take the blood from the animal. I mean, again, think about this. When they're worshiping, and he would take the blood and he would sprinkle it on the book of the law. He'd sprinkle that on God's word. He'd sprinkle it on the mercy seat saying, let the blood of God cover us and give mercy. He'd sprinkle real animal blood on all the artifacts in the, temple, in the tabernacle area. He'd be sprinkling blood. I mean, you can imagine the mess. And then on the people, on the people, he'd dip it in there and be like, we cover these people. And you're standing there, you got one change of clothes, all of a sudden, you know, and you're covered. And you leave there, you leave, you're like, all right, here we go. I mean, that's what's going on. And they've got all these things going on. But the thing is, they'd come in and they'd have this ceremony. They were feeling bad and they'd leave like, okay, it's covered, but I just don't know. See, because the, the blood of the animals was just pointing to the blood that would be sacrificed, that would pay the price, that would give us the blood transfusion, that would change our life, which was Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ, Christ when, he, when he shed his blood, everything, it says, we, we've, are made new. We're made new. We do, our conscience is cleared. I love that about the blood of Jesus. I love that about calling on the name of Jesus to be saved, that it's not like, well, that was a good service and ceremony. It's like, my life has changed. I'm transformed. The blood of Jesus has, has covered my sins, has forgiven my sins, has washed them away. I, I can leave. I don't have to have a guilty conscience. I know that Jesus Christ has forgiven me. Matter of fact, there's a statement uh, that, that we say, I plead the blood of Jesus. You know what that's saying? I know I'm not good enough, but you know what covers me? The blood of Jesus. You may pray that in a prayer. I plead the blood of Jesus. Matter of fact, the enemy may attack you and say, you are not good enough. You know what you ought to say back to him? I plead the blood of Jesus over my life right now because Jesus sets me free. It's not me. 
It's not my strength. It's the blood of Jesus. And that's, I'm calling upon the mercy of God and the power of his blood to set me free and to move me forward. Devil, I know that I'm not worthy, but I plead the blood of Jesus. You want to tick the devil off, you plead the blood of Jesus. That'll tick the devil off. The Bible talks about, but if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. I, I've read that so many times and I just, I'm, I'm glad I finally studied it. Okay, because I was like, how in the world does the blood, I get it, spiritually purifies us. I read in Revelation, you know, they're standing there, their robes are washed in the blood. I'm like, how is it washed in the blood? If you know your Bible, Isaiah talks about that the blood washes us, makes us white as snow. I'm like, blood is red. I don't get it. I'm trying to figure this out. How in the world does blood cleanse us? I mean, I, I get it, but I don't fully understand it. And if you know me as your pastor, I need an illustration. I need an illustration to understand this. And I found it, and I'm so glad that Dr. Henry Brand shares this about how the blood of Jesus cleanses us. And I want to use this um, cuff here. I hope I can get it on. Uh, blood pressure. How many know, like, you get your blood pressure taken, they put that baby on there, and you know as soon as they put that on there, they start pumping that thing. And as soon as they do, you know, you start, uh, and you're like, all right, here it goes. And it gets to that spot where you can really feel the pulse. And you're like, loosen, loosen, loosen now. Be a good time right now. Loosen, loosen, loosen. And then finally you're like, oh, okay. He says this about blood cleansing. He said, if you were to put that cuff on, crank it up to 200 and then leave it there, you'd start to feel that the blood would be cut off to your arm. And he said, then what I'd want you to do is start moving your arm, make a fist, make a fist over and over again. He said, after about 10 fists, your arm will just start being in pain, in pain and agony. He said, you'll get to a point where you can't do it anymore because what has happened is the blood has been cut off to your arm and your, the, the blood that is turning oxygen into energy, it, it's having toxins there now and the toxins can't go anywhere and you're storing the toxins. And so your blood is actually getting poison in that moment. And so there's poison going on and you're like let it in let it in let it in let it in and he said the moment that cuff is loosened fresh blood comes in and cleanses away the toxins here's what I want to tell you people that are separated from God they're there and they're living in their life and they think they're having so much fun alcohol drugs abuse lying all the other things that they're doing but they don't realize they're living with toxins they were never meant to keep never meant to keep and the blood of Jesus, he's saying, behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man not opens the door, I'll come in and I'll bring the cleansing power of my blood. I'll wipe away your sin. I'll cleanse you. I'll, I'll take away the pain and the hurt and the suffering if you'll open the door and let me in. The blood of Jesus cleanses us from the spiritual toxins we were never meant to hold on to. Sin entered this world, and when you're living in that, you are living in the spiritual toxins. You are holding on to things you were never meant to hold on to. Church, you got to listen to me. People around you are dying in the toxins, and you're the Red Cross. You got the blood supply, and you sit around, and you enjoy the amenities, and you got more than enough blood transfusion for you. Get out there and tell people about the blood of Jesus. Get out there and tell them about the hope that's in you. When was the last time you were like Red Cross and showed up and helped somebody? When was the last time you shared your faith, invited somebody to church, brought them to your life group, started a life group just to reach somebody for Jesus? Man, they're dying. They're dying in their toxicity that they were never meant. And you've had the release. You've had the power of God bring the healing blood into your life. And I'm asking right now that our church 
would be the red cross, bring the blood of Jesus. Man, don't, don't lead with that, all right? Bring the love of Jesus, then get to the blood of Jesus. You know what I'm saying? But let's get out there and bring the spiritual transformation. Let's bring the hope to this world that is dying in their pain. And you can feel it, like release that, release that, I need something. That's what they're crying for. That's what they're crying for. And I'm praying for that right now at our church, at all of our campuses. Come on, that we will have that passion I mean, Woodbury, Egan, Shakopee, come on. Minneapolis, Edina, soon to be crossed out. I'm forgetting Faribault. I knew as soon as I started, I'd forget some, but you know what I'm saying. One church, many locations. We've got to win people to Jesus and share the blood transfusion. And I'm praying that every week at our church, people will find a blood transfusion. They'll find the blood of Jesus that will forgive them. They'll find that God wants to set them free. And if that's you here and at all of our campuses in just a moment, you're going to have an opportunity to do that. Lord, I just pray right now for our church. Help us to realize that we can be set free from the old ways. We don't have to live that way anymore. We can be set free. Help us to realize the blood of Jesus cleanses us from all unrighteousness. And help us, Lord Jesus, to move forward in the cleansing power of the blood of Jesus. Help us, Lord, to be the Red Cross, to share the truth that we have, to bring the blood transfusion to a world that is stuck in toxic sin. And help us, Lord Jesus, to always see people find freedom in the blood of Jesus, forgiveness in the blood of Jesus. In your name we pray, amen and amen.